0: grace church building relationships that make followers of jesus know grow go to know him to grow in him to go with him every verse in the bible points and leads to jesus let's pray Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for this time to come together to study your word. As we transition to the proclamation of the book of Hebrews, I pray that we can listen to what you have to say for us. We allow your Holy Spirit to be our guide. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. On January 13th, 1982, tragedy struck. Actually, what you're seeing is you're seeing the tail wing of Air Florida flight. I forget the name of the flight, actually, but that is not really what's important. What's important is this. This flight was taken off out of Washington, D.C. Mind you, it is January. Unfortunately for these pilots, I remember seeing the special documentary some time ago, maybe a year or two ago. The pilots forgot to turn off what was called the Eternal Ice Protection System they just forgot ignored the warnings and when they were taxiing out they decided well there are, is some ice that we do know about but we're going to use the reverse thrusters to get rid of this ice long story short plane tries to take off but with the ice in the engines it doesn't have the power Eyewitness accounts from people on this flight said, yeah, you know, I've taken hundreds of flights in my life and I could tell when we were starting to take off that we just didn't have the momentum that a plane usually does when it goes to take off. So what happened was the flight barely got off the ground and clipped a bridge and it went right into the freezing Potomac, the bridge that it clipped and it's actually sitting right there in the background is the 14th Street Bridge. Seventy-four souls on board died. Only five survived. Also, since it clipped the bridge, there were four motorists who perished in this tragic accident. But this tragedy had a hero. In fact, Time Magazine later on called him the man in the water. See, that's what you're seeing right now. You're seeing in that left side of the screen, you're seeing... A passenger being airlifted out of the freezing Potomac. The man in the water kept clinging to the debris, and he passed up his opportunity to get lifted out by the helicopter each and every time because he passed it to the next person. And then when finally everybody had been saved that could be saved, and when the helicopter came back to him to take him out, the cold. Freezing waters of the Potomac had claimed his life. Brothers and sisters, he sacrificed his life to a cold death so others could live. And when we hear a story like this, we should be amazed at what he did, but what it ultimately should do is remind us of Jesus. See, he sacrificed. Himself, And when he sacrificed himself, he had to suffer in order to do so. So I think we can say one thing for sure. Our Jesus, our Savior, knows suffering and he knows sacrifice. He suffered himself and he gave up his life so that we could live. So we could live a life that's eternal. And this brings us to the title of our sermon this morning. Jesus Knows. Jesus Knows. Today we're going to be in Hebrews as stated before. Chapter 2, verses 5 through 18. Every single verse this morning will be on the screen for you. So if you do not have your Bible, do not worry. If you do have your Bible, please feel free to follow along with us. We're going to be in the ESV translation. That is the translation that we use here at Villa's Grace Church. It stands for the English Standard Version. Last week we heard about the consequences of neglecting the gospel, neglecting the good news because after all those who do cannot afford the hell to pay. Those who neglect the gospel cannot neglect, then, therefore, God's punishment. And that's one thing we don't like talking about now, is it? We like talking about the God of the New Testament, who somehow we think doesn't punish, but in fact he does. Because we definitely know that the God of the Old Testament does punish, but there is no God of the Old Testament and God of the New Testament. Because the same God of the Old Testament is the same God of the New Testament, Today, this message is going to be of great hope for us. As a believer, this message gives us hope because we know that we have all suffered. Every last one of us here has been tempted. Every last one of us in here has given in to said temptation. But what we need to remember is this. No one has been tempted more than our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Christ. So with much more not being said about that, let's get into our text and allow God's word to speak for us. So Hebrews chapter 2, verses 5 through 18. For it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere what is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you care for him. You made him a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now, in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control at present. We do not yet see everything in subjection to him. But we see him who for a little while has made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source that is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers saying I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation I will sing your praise These 14 verses put into one sentence makes our main idea this morning, and that main idea states this. The humanity of Jesus knows temptation, suffering, and sacrifice. The humanity of Jesus knows temptation, suffering, and sacrifice. See, we know that Jesus was 100% God and 100% human, and because he was 100% human, He knows temptation, he knows suffering, and he most definitely knows a thing or two or everything that there is to know about sacrifice. I want to introduce you to this man. His name is Martin Lloyd-Jones. Excellent author, excellent preacher, If you ever have an opportunity to read one of his books, look him up, find some of his material. He's excellent. There's actually a story about Martin Lloyd-Jones where he actually preached through a bombing raid during World War II. He was in the pulpit preaching a Nazi bombing raid came through England, and he just kept preaching God's word. He has this quote, and I just want to read this quote to you. It says, the ultimate test of our spirituality is measured of our amazement at the grace of God. Church, we sang Amazing Grace this morning. The grace of God is amazing. So my question to you is this. What do you stand in awe of? Verse 5. First, we see angels, and we understand that they are messengers. Second, we need to understand this. Angels rule this world. That's right. See, it was first set up for Adam to rule the world. But we know what happened to Adam now, don't we? So since Adam led his wife, Into sin. Even though Eve was the one that was tempted and bit into the fruit first, he was still lead. So he led his wife into giving into the temptation. Now we're in an age where the angels are ruling. But it's only for a time. The rule of angels here on the earth now is only temporary. But some of you might be asking wait, hold on a second, how do you know that the angels are actually ruling this world now? Where's our evidence? Church, all those bad things that happen to good people start with Satan. And don't forget that Satan is the prince of the power of the air. Satan is a fallen angel, and God has allowed him to currently, not forever, but for this present age, to be the ruler of this world. But you have to remember something. Even when good things happen to bad people, or when bad things happen to good people, see, I'm getting it twisted, even when that happens, we must remember that God prevents a lot of bad things from happening to good people. It's just that we don't hear about those. But Satan is in control now. And in this age, as we continue through this morning, we need to understand that the angels currently rule this world. And in verse 6, David in Psalm 8 says this, and this is a quote also from verse 6, you can see it. What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? So if the angels are actually ruling because David knows that, that he's asking God, what is the son of man? What is man then? Even the angels are higher than man. See, both man and son of man is not actually referring to Jesus here. It's referring to mankind. And and let's face it, we're not worth much, are we? We're pretty worthless in some ways. I mean, the body is like 60% water. Like, you're 60% water. You can go to Home Depot and get a five-gallon jug for $14. So just do the math you're worth less than $250 if we wanted to sell you, which we would never want to get rid of anybody here. But like if you're just a 150-pound person on average, you're worth less than $250. Now, we need to compare something then. Think about man and think about God's creation. Think about us as being made as humans, 60% water, compared to all of God's creation, what Jesus has done to redeem all things. Amazingly, God's grace says that he still cares for us. Amazingly, God's grace says we're worth way more than our weight in water. In fact, according to God's grace, we are precious. According to God's grace, we were bought with something you can't put a price on, and that is nothing but the blood of Jesus originally adam ruled the world his rule and his reign didn't last long because then came the fall and that's why we understand that angels rule presently see the reign of these angels like we stated are temporary so we need to understand something the perfect world is yet to come the angels rule and reign now but the perfect world is yet to come and see god's not done with man Because we will rule alongside Jesus upon his return. Church, this is really important. If you want to sum the Bible up into two words, it would be these two. These two words define the Bible in a nutshell. If somebody ever asks you, What is the Bible about? You could give them this two word answer, and it really defines all of Scripture. The Bible, if somebody asked me, What is the Bible about? I would say it is about a redemptive love story. So maybe three words. Nobody ever said I was good at math. Some of you know that for sure. Redemptive love story. That's what the Bible is all about. Church, we've discovered fire as man. We've invented the printing press. We've put a man on the moon. We've invented the internet. We've now have sent amateur astronauts aka billionaires into space. Mankind has done all of these amazing things. Yet we're not even close to reaching our full potential. We're not even close to reaching our full potential. And what we see here in the text this morning is this. See, this was written, especially to the Hebrews, they're hearing this and saying to themselves, "What, what do you mean that Jesus is man? Because, you know, the angels are actually above men, so that's not really that big of a deal. But what we're being reminded of is this, everything that we've already said. We're being reminded of who's ruling now, but who's coming back to rule. Jesus has that ability because of what he did on the cross for us. And as a church, since we know we haven't reached our full potential yet, since we know that our full potential as mankind, even though we've done these amazing things, we put a man on the moon If you're not blown away by that simple feat, think about that. On the moon. 80 years prior, they weren't even flying planes. See, I gave myself an extra few decades just to make sure on the math that time. I mean, the Wright brothers were what, 1905? Early turn of the century? And by the end of... The 1960s, we put a man on the moon. We have some ability. But we are incapable of reaching our full potential until Jesus returns. That is our hope. He is our hope. And we get this because what does it say? It says, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. Yeah, invent the internet. Put a man on the moon. Invent the printing press. It's nothing without him. Just wait until you have him to rule alongside and see what I'm going to do. That's what I hear God encouraging me in. Not in me and what I can do because I know that's not much but in Jesus and what He can do. And in verse 9, we understand our real potential will be fully achieved when we see Him as it says. See, Hebrews, in our tagline again, Jesus, the perfect priest, the superior sacrifice, He is just that, the superior sacrifice. Because as it says, Him who for a little while was made lower than the angels. So Jesus, the incarnation, He was born To marry, half 100% God, 100% man. But then he also paid the ultimate suffering and the ultimate sacrifice for the sin of the world. But it crowned him, as it says, with glory and honor because of his suffering death or the suffering death. Brothers and sisters, think about that. if we can achieve what we have achieved now if we understand that our full potential will be reached when he returns and if we understand that we're contingent or everything's contingent upon him in order for us to do so but we also see what it says in the text that he suffered then we should know that he can relate with our suffering too jesus knows It doesn't matter what you go through. It doesn't matter what amount of suffering that you're experiencing in your life now. It doesn't matter how much you think that you've been tempted. Even if you think that you cannot escape from it, you have to remind yourself in those moments that Jesus can relate because he knows. He's been through it on your behalf. That's the reason why he went to the cross. He did it because as we said, those three words that define the Bible. He did it for the redemptive love story. And it took him and his work in order to put the redemption into the love story. Again, I want to read that quote from Martin Louis Jones one more time. It says, the ultimate test of our spirituality is measured of our amazement at the grace of God. You are 60% water. You are worth, according to that 60% water, about $250, according to the world. If the world looks at you like that, but God is willing to do what he did, are you not amazed at his grace? Grace is a gift. The only reason why we can taste salvation is because of the grace of God, because of the gift. And our job as believers is to repent, to turn from our sin and turn back towards God in belief in what He can do. And then our job from there on out is very simple as believers. It's to share that gospel message, that good news with others. And this brings us to our first point this morning. And our first point is this. Be amazed at God's amazing grace. Be amazed at God's amazing grace. Again, our main idea this morning states this. The humanity of Jesus Knows temptation, suffering, and sacrifice. And with that in mind, you have this image again on your screen the man in the water. Do you think he was tempted? Would you be tempted? Your plane just crashed. You're supposed to be on your way to sunny Florida, not in the freezing waters of the Potomac. Are you going to hang on to that piece of tail or wing or whatever it is and decide to pass the rope to the next person and just keep on clinging on to that freezing water? Or are you going to be tempted to take that rope yourself? Would you be willing to sacrifice yourself on that level? The man in the water experienced intense suffering. He sacrificed himself in that freezing Potomac all for the sake of others. However, and really not to make light of the temptation that he experienced, the man in the water, the suffering and the sacrifice that he ultimately paid. It is nothing more, nothing more than a minuscule representation of the temptation Jesus resisted of the suffering that Jesus endured and the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus paid, all so that we could be saved to have a relationship with him for all of eternity. We're going to go ahead and take a look at verses 10 and 11 and then 17 and 18. As we look at verse 10, we understand that all things have been made for God. All things have been made for his glory. All things have been made for his joy, which is why it's fitting, as it says, that he brings many sons to glory. See, if everything's been made for the glory of God, then it's only fitting that he brings his sons to glory. Brothers and sisters, read the last part of verse 10. Look at that last part of verse 10. God is the founder of our salvation. And it was Jesus who made it perfect through his suffering. I just want to read this quote with with that being said. It says this A holy God cannot look upon sin with any degree of allowance. A holy God cannot look upon sin with any degree of allowance. Church, do you know what this is reminding me of, what this is pointing to? God wants to be in a relationship with us because the Bible is all about that redemptive love story, but God being as holy as he is first and foremost is incapable of being in a relationship with us if we are still sinful. That's why Jesus went to the cross. That's why we can say Jesus is the perfect priest. He is the superior sacrifice. We couldn't sacrifice ourselves. God did this in order to be in relationship with us. He can't be in relationship. He cannot be in the presence of sin. And this is also why God, as it says, sanctifies in verse 11. See, sanctified is to be set apart. God sets us apart to make us holy. That's what happens after we come to a saving faith in Jesus. After we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. After we repent once, one time only. After we repent from our sin and turn back towards God we now enter into a relationship with God where he starts and begins to sanctify us where he begins to set us apart to make us holy so he can be in a relationship with us church do not be discouraged this is an ongoing process this is where Christians can be very good at shooting the wounded sin can and will happen but for us It's a matter of how do we respond when the sin is brought to our attention. And I know you've heard that many times, but that is the most important thing. It's not about what we do. It's about what we don't do. When sin is brought to our attention, are we repenting? See, we all have the same source anyway. We all have the same source. The way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. That's our source. For the gate is wide that leads to destruction. For the gate is narrow that leads to eternal life. Jesus, once again, the reason why the gate is narrow is because it's a personal, individual relationship with the Lord. Jesus is not ashamed to call his brothers, as it says, because after all, how much more humiliating does it get for our Savior anyway? I mean, could Jesus be humiliated any further than what he was upon the cross? He is the creator, sustainer of the entire universe, yet he let mankind send him to the cross. Spurgeon says this, he says, a father feels for his children because they are the same flesh and blood of as himself, So does the Lord sympathize with his people, for they are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. No father can be so thoroughly one with his offspring as Jesus is with us. Jesus was in fact without sin. However, Jesus was not without temptation. Again, Jesus knows. Jesus knows temptation. Jesus knows suffering. Jesus knows sacrifice, which leads him to being, as it says here in the text this morning, merciful. Brothers and sisters, his mercy is actively alleviating our spiritual suffering and misery. Mercy is an attitude of the heart. An attitude all of us can adopt. And think about that as we talk about that being an attitude of the heart that is the antidote for all suffering and misery. Therefore, mercy cannot be compounded into a pharmaceutical compound. There's no pill that you can take to alleviate your suffering or misery. The one and true cure to any and all misery and suffering in our lives is Jesus. Also, this is why Jesus is faithful, as it says, and he's faithful because he passed the test. He is eternally dependable and reliable forever, forever. Therefore, this qualifies him to be the high priest. See, Adam could go directly to God. He was in Shekinah glory. He was within the glory of God in the garden. But sin entered God's creation, and in the Old Testament we saw men and women having to go to priests in order to go to God. But because of what Jesus has done on the cross, we can go directly to God ourselves because Jesus is, in fact, the high priest. Adam was the first priest, but Jesus is the greater and better Adam, which is why even when you see our Sunday school teaching this morning in the book of Numbers, the reason why Dr. Randy Smith highlighted what he highlighted between Joshua and Moses is because he's showing us the thread that leads to Jesus. Every biblical character leads to Christ. So as Joe joins me this morning, I just want to share this $25 seminary word that actually we could break down so it's not worth $25. You're still worth more in water weight, but we're going to get ahead and give you an extra $25 bonus here. See that word, propitiation? That's a big word, isn't it? That word basically means this. It means turning away anger. God's anger, remember we said People don't want the God of the Old Testament. They just want the God of the New Testament. Well, both Testaments have the same God, and God will punish those who neglect, like we learned last week, his good news, his gospel. But Jesus, if we have repented, if we have accepted him as our Lord and Savior and turned back to God, the anger, the wrath of God that was reserved for us was put upon Jesus on the cross. Jesus is our propitiation brothers and sisters, each and every day we are tempted. Each and every day we suffer due to the temptation that we experience. Whether we give in to temptation or not, the bottom line is we are still going to suffer in this life. I can't guarantee you just because you have a saving faith in Jesus that your life's going to be any easier. In fact, because you know Jesus, your life might just be that much more difficult. However, we need to Go into it understanding that we cannot escape suffering. But neither could Jesus. See, I want to tell you this story, and this is where I want to end. When the Union Pacific Railroad was constructing the railroad, they came to a canyon. And they had to build what is known as a trestle bridge. And on that bridge, the engineer, after they got done constructing it, before they put the first passenger train over that bridge... They decided to put twice the amount of cars with twice the payload per car on the bridge. One of the workers looked at the engineer and said, what are you trying to do, destroy the bridge? The engineer looked at the worker and said, no, I'm not trying to destroy the bridge. I'm proving that the bridge cannot be destroyed. Brothers and sisters, in the same way, Jesus faced temptation not to see whether or not it could break him but rather to prove that he couldn't be broken by temptation be encouraged be encouraged he is as it says at the end of verse 18 He is able to help. He is your help. He is our help. He is able to help those who are being tempted. So the question for all of us this morning is this. When was the last time we relied on the help and aid of Jesus? And this brings us to our second and final point this morning. Only he who knows suffering can help those who suffer. Only he who knows suffering can help those who suffer. Our first point this morning stated this. Be amazed at God's amazing grace, the free gift of salvation. And finally, our main idea this morning stated that the humanity of Jesus knows temptation No suffering and sacrifice. Let's pray. Lord, as we leave here this morning, I pray that we can be used to share what we know about you with others. We all journey into different directions. We all have different connections in life. Help us to see those opportunities and take advantage of what you have done for us to be able to share you with others. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.